Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the show. Got a little bit of a dun-dun-dun topic for you. We're going to talk about signs that a relationship might be failing. Uh, listen, I'm not trying to get anyone's anxiety to spike. Why? Things are hard enough already. Oy, uh, it's that time of year and uh, people are trying to partner up cuffing season, which means everyone wants someone to snuggle with, spend the holidays with. I get it. I get it. Uh, we've talked a lot in the past couple of weeks about dating apps, dating culture, relationality. Um, so this topic, I know relationship is failing, is really about forecasting and having the ability to prevent it from happening, identifying if it is so that you can kind of roll it back. I think that's what a lot of the work really is, is understanding what to look for so that, you know, we're in trouble, work is needed. So it's never ever about pointing the finger, blaming others. It's first about us assessing ourselves. So let's make tonight's topic a question of, are you doing this before we go, oh, my partner's doing this. But more importantly, to assess again where your relationship is, thereby deciding what your relationship might need. I think what's really great about psychology and relationality is that there's a plasticity, meaning you're never, let me say differently, meaning that however things are now is not how they will always be. The dark side, the shadow side of that is that things can always get worse. They really can. But things can also definitely get better. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight. So although the entry point's a little negative because it's signs that things are failing, it's really about breathing in some hope. Because that's what we need these days. We need to uh, feel better about what's happening, feel better about what's around us, and have a sense of control and power. So, <laughs> all right, we're going to get into it. So, there we are. Um, here's what to look for. So, again, before I get into it, let me just quickly remind everyone. I'm always trying to kind of round it out, give us a better foundation. Um, nothing is a complete determinant of anything. So, we can never completely forecast what couples will be compatible, what couples, uh, what couples will have long-term sustainability. Um, we also can't 100% determine what will make things fail, but we have really good, robust research. Having said that, I, I did a whole show on this. I'll do a whole show on it again, the difference between red flags and deal breakers. I want that to also be applied to this. There's a difference. These are red flags. These are things that mean, hey, keep an eye on it, track it, work on it, versus deal breakers, which there aren't that many, thankfully. And those are signs that like it's time to go immediately, grab your stuff, bounce, get your coffee to go, put it in a to-go cup. But uh, these are just red flags, meaning keep an eye on them, track them, work on them, try to not let them happen. Again, we're self-assessing. The drum roll, um, this is painful even to read. Uh, so again, these are the most reliable predictors of a breakup or romantic dissolution in the language of uh, academia. Absence of positive 
thoughts, uh, absence of positive illusions. I don't like that word illusions, but absence of positivity is really what it is. Um, the research outside of you know some of the stuff we're talking about tonight really tells us that resentment is probably one of the one of the most toxic and detrimental things to happen in any kind of relationship, friends, family members, loved ones. Because all of this, though the entry point is romantic relationships, it's always universalizable, generalizable, and applicable to any human relationship, coworker, friend, family member. And if there's an absence of positivity, well, that's a problem. And again, resentment is one of the most problematic things. And the research shows that if you have resentment, deep, deep resentment for a partner, it's really hard to get out of. So the work is about not letting that happen, which means bringing things up when they occur. Of course, the caveat is we don't want to be one of those people that makes an issue out of everything. We do need to be a little, we have to let some things go. No relationship is perfect, and that means allowing some issues to just remain. Gosh, I could talk so much about just this. There's so much I want to cover in this one statement. Um, there's the idea of a third, a third, a third, right? I brought that up on uh, some prior shows, and basically that means, and again, rough estimate. This isn't you know, 100% determined, but with all relationships you're a part of, if there's some issues, about a third of those can be resolved completely, removed, gone, bye, see you later, peace. A third will only improve. A third will never get better or change. So what does that mean? It means that we have to allow some less than ideal things to just exist. We don't wanna constantly complain. So think about any relationship you're a part of that's important to you. A third of the things that you're upset about, you have to just leave and let them be. And for some people, you really have very little to be upset about. And you need, maybe you do need to just keep your mouth shut. We don't want to try to go for perfect, which means I want you, really hear this, I want you to leave things as less than ideal. We don't want to always be working on everything. That is exhausting and that burns us out and that makes us resentful. So some things just let it go. But then there's some things you want to work on improving. You have to decide, though, what you're willing to just accept because some of the things that I have to help couples understand will never change. For some of them, becomes a deal breaker because they're saying, I can't live like that. For others, they're saying, wow, of all the things to have to stick around and live with and live through, I'll take that one versus what else might be out there. That is an individual decision. Because um, when you enter someone's life, you're taking on their history, their trauma, all sorts of stuff, um, mental health issues, uh, problematic relationships with drug and alcohol and food. And so you have to decide what that third is that you're willing to stick around for. Um, that's an individual decision. And then a third is completely resolvable. And sometimes you don't really know until you try to do the work. And that's why when in doubt, stick around and see what's possible and then stand back and kind of assess and say, based on our workability, as friends, as family members, as loved ones, I can then assess how well we'll do with future issues. Because how you deal with current issues, how you've historically dealt with issues helps us understand how we might deal with them in the future. All right, we're gonna come back and talk more about this. So stick around, you're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be back. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, 
celebrity interviews, or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast oh rachel we're back and we're talking about that which is workable that which is not workable really we're talking about things that are signs of relationships falling apart not to make anyone panic or anxious but as a way to really help us understand that there's a fluidity a flexibility and that um, a lot can be changed and we we're talking in the last segment about the fact that everything's kind of into the you know a third a third a third a third of things bam we can clean it up clear it out it's done a third of things we can only improve and then there's another third that we can you know we gotta we gotta learn how to live with not everything's removable and everything's fixable and sometimes that's just what it is and you have to decide based on what falls into each of those categories whether or not this is the relationship you want but what we're really talking about is a lack of positivity and why that's important is because the research also shows us that for every complaint you need three positive comments to undo the damage that that does we don't want to be in friendships romantic relationships where it's always something that's exhausting. And that's why I bring up the third category, the, the one third, one third, one third, saying you have to let some things go. You can't try to improve everything. But if you're constantly complaining, you better make sure you follow up with three positive celebratory gratitude-based things. Otherwise, your relationship is severely out of balance. So think about it. How often are you complaining? If you're complaining every day, my question is, how often are you celebrating and praising your partner? And if it's not three to one, then you have a pretty toxic, bad relationship. And I feel bad for your partner on the receiving end of that. Because remember, part of being in a relationship is the dialectic of both, of both accepting 100% who your partner is while also making some requests for change. But no one should be on the receiving end of having everything nitpicked. That means you are not compatible. If you constantly are upset about everything, then either you have work to do about your reactivity and your sensitivity, or you are with the wrong partner because you're not compatible. Because remember, it's both. It's both your partner's job to just be themselves 
And if you can accept who they are, awesome, while also being open to making some requests. Because there's no such thing as that's just how it is, that's just who I am, you knew who I was. No, as we grow and change and circumstances shift, we have to be able to make requests for some things to be different. But we can't be trying to change everything around our comfort. You have to let some things go and your partner shouldn't have to change everything about themselves so as to make you comfortable. That's why a third of things try to resolve, a third of things try to just improve a little bit, and a third of things leave them as they are. I want every couple to be able to go weeks, ready for this one, weeks without any complaints or requests. It can't always be something. And for every criticism, you better at some point in that day follow up with three forms of praise and celebration. If you can't or you won't, you are not healthy enough to be in that relationship or you are with the wrong partner. Because that goes back to the resentment thing. If you have so much resentment in your marriage and your relationship or your friendship that you can't even imagine giving them three compliments or supportive statements in the same day you give one complaint, then you are either, again, like I said, not healthy enough to be in someone's life because you don't know how to be caring and loving, or it is truly them, and that's the wrong partner for you. Because if you're constantly needing to make that many complaints or requests, then something is wrong, right? Think about it in terms of any other concept. If there's that many things wrong with the shoes I bought that every single day I have a complaint, then they are not the right shoes for me, or I complain too much. If the restaurant I'm eating at, everything is so wrong that I have only complaints and there's nothing positive to say, I should probably leave, or I'm too picky and I'll be happy at no restaurant. You have to self-assess and decide that. And that is an important part of the work I do with couples and individuals, helping them understand what is a reasonable thing to take on and when we need to keep our mouths closed and let it be. Because like I said, if you can't go weeks without some obstacle coming up, then there's something off and it's you, it's them or the relationship, but you need to figure it out because that's not healthy for any of you. Having said that, I think we get a little too comfortable focusing on calling out the complaints. What would it look like? What would it feel like? What would it mean if you let that go for a while and only focused on calling out things that feel good, things that made you happy, or things that are complimentary? And again, if you're not willing or able to do that, you have a larger problem. You are in something you don't want to be in or you're with someone you shouldn't be with. So again, the absence of positivity is a huge sign that your relationship is headed headed towards ending and probably should. And that's what I like about this. When I talk about what the work is, it's not just about doing it, it's also about your willingness. And if you're not, you have to ask yourself why. Why am I not willing to do that for my marriage, for my family, for myself, for my partner? What does that say about where we're at, where I'm at? We need a lot more self-assessment. Another one, and this one's not gonna shock anyone, because again, we're talking about signs that your relationship is likely to end or sadly should, or maybe happily should, depending on what, is a lack of commitment. If you have one leg out, you should put the relationship on pause, do some work, or maybe leave. No relationship can have a secure attachment if both feet aren't in. Then you are either being avoidant or something's wrong that you're not acknowledging. So if you're avoidant, your work is to lean in and put both feet in, or your work is to talk about what's going on that's making you unsure or you need to leave. Because again, all healthy relationships need to be protected from these outside forces that don't allow us to be fully in. Maybe you need to get sober. Maybe you need to work on your relationship to, to food. Or maybe you need to stop having an affair. You need to examine what is it that's preventing me from being fully present and fully in this. Um, and that comes up even in my couple's work. I'm not aware of all the um, extra, extra factors that are outside of what's being brought in. So you alone have to assess that. But... A relationship can't do much or go very far if there's a lack of commitment. 
So ask yourself, how committed am I? What are the things I do that demonstrate and show that commitment? Or what are the things that I'm doing that undermine that commitment? And why am I in a relationship I don't fully want to be a part of? Whose work is that, mine, theirs, or ours? And start to do that work. It is healthy to say to your partner, we aren't committed. It is healthy to say to your partner, I haven't been, and here's what I want to do. It is healthy to say, it seems as though you're not. What can we do? In healthy relationships of all kinds, both parties are able to talk about and ask those questions. And again, if you can't have those conversations and you have an even bigger issue and you have more to work on. Um, so again, the absence of positivity and positive thoughts and positive feelings and the willingness to bring that in is a huge sign not just the absence of the positivity, but your lack of willingness. And then also this commitment piece. How am I not being fully committed is a question I want everyone to ask. All right, we're going to come back, talk more about it, y'all. So uh, don't go anywhere. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be back. Oh, Rachel, we're back. And we're looking at some of the more important, uh, more you know, signs that the relationship might be heading towards a close. I'm trying to come up with a different word for impactful or meaningful. I have to work on, I need to get a theosaurus out, kind of figure that out. I tend to use a lot of the same words, but I think we all do that. But we were talking about an absence of positivity, but more importantly, your lack of willingness to try to bring that in. We're talking about a lack of commitment. And again, your lack of willingness to try to be more committed. So it's always a little bit both. Is it me and I have work to do or is it them? Am I being avoidant and I need to put both feet in, learn how to be present? Or is it that I don't want to be that present with that person? And then the work should be on some couples, some couples therapy or time to end it. Um, we don't want to just kind of ride it out into the sunset because we're already there. We put in too much time. Sunk cost fallacy is bunk. Don't keep doing something that's not good for your working because you've already put some time and energy into it. The rest of your time and energy means more than just wasting it because you've already wasted a little bit of it. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Another sign is a lack of love. Well, my gosh, that's a no brainer, I would think. But yes, if you don't love your partner, it's time to go. <laughs> and you got to ask yourself, what's that about? Is it a lack of willingness? Is it deep-seated resentment that I have to work through? What's that about, y'all? Because the lack of love should probably be number one. Um, and round that out, lack of interest in affection, a lack of interest in sexuality. Why are we, why are we forming long-term committed monogamous relationships with people we have no interest in touching on any level? Probably out of anxiety and security, and I get that. And that might work for you, but you got to check in with your partner. Hey, how do you feel about the fact that we don't touch each other? Hey, how do you feel about the fact that we don't compliment each other? Hey, how do you feel about the fact that we don't want to have any sexuality? How's that going? Because that's how you start these really important conversations. Like, what do we need to do? Do we need to end it? Do we need to commit more? Do we need to reprioritize? Um, what's going on that's preventing us from having that, that more dynamic relationship and connection. But the, a lack of love, that's a big word. If the love is gone, it's usually time to go. Love is hard to get back. Um, yes, we can clean out some resentments. Yes, we can dismantle some roadblocks. Um, yes, we can try to improve some of our behavior to make us have more of an interest in being closer and more connected. But if you no longer love your, your partner and it's more of just a friendship, Again, some couples are okay with more of a friendship companion style relationship where they're just two bodies, spending time together, cohabitating, have at it. But a lot of couples, they're like, no, I miss joy. I miss romance. I miss affection. I miss eroticism. Yeah, I get it. Maybe it's time to call it and say, let's just be friends. That's what we are. Let's find romance and sexuality elsewhere because what a beautiful thing to have brought into your life. Uh, it's so good for your mental health. It's good for your physical health. It's good for your spiritual health. It reminds you that you have worth and value. It reminds you of your sense of desirability. 
I don't want people to stay in relationships they don't want to be a part of. I don't want people to stay in relationships that have no love, commitment, or positivity. Work on it or go. Truly, I'm okay with the high breakup divorce rate. I'm okay with the high rate of singledom if it's better off for people. And a lot of times it is. Because again, if there's no positivity and you don't want to work on it, if there's no commitment and you don't want to work on it, if there's no love and you don't want to work on it, what are you doing? You're probably keeping you and your partner hostage. Bring it up, talk it out. It might actually lead to positive change or not. I don't know, but there's something really powerful and transformative in bringing up these topics. And that's why I like talking about this tonight. I want, I want us to get a little uncomfortable. I want couples that are together and I'm talking about them to say, yeah, that's us. What does that mean? What, what, what's required? Do we want to do that work? Um, I want people to take this topic home and say, hey, I was listening to the love line and we don't have this anymore. Because earlier, remember, we were talking about, you know, three to one. Every, every criticism or critique is going to require three truly authentic, positive, complimentary things to kind of balance it out. That's how much negativity really, really sticks with us and is encoded. Remember, our brains are about survival. They will latch onto and internalize negative and unsafe things sooner than they will the positive. We have to savor positivity. That's why we need three positive to one negative to really balance ourselves out. You have to be willing to do that. Even for parenting, think about that for you and your child, you and your best friend. And it's not like you have to do it right away. It's not like if you say to someone, hey, I don't like the way you talk to me, blah, 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 that you have to then swoop in and say, but you're handsome and I love you and you're kind. It doesn't mean it like that. It just means in general, within the course of a day. Um, and also, I don't want us to be willing to be a part of something where it's nothing but criticisms, but we're never boosted up. Be with people that encourage you. Be with people that make you feel better off. Be with people that make you have more confidence when you go off into the world. That's also basic attachment research, being a secure base and a safe haven. But being a secure base means because of your primary partnership, your best friend, your family member, your romantic partner, because of their presence in your life, because of their influence, you are more confident. You are more resilient. You go to work, you go out and do stuff, and you feel better off because they're in your corner, because they have your back. And if that's not the case, and instead they beat you down, put you down, make you feel worse, run, run. You don't know better than I do if that's workable. If it's workable, say to your partner, we need to change this up. But if it's not workable and that's just who they are, run, get out. It's toxic and that's actually psychological and emotional abuse, period. Putting someone down, name calling is abuse, never okay. Call it out, tell them it has to get better and change and if not, get out. You'll be better off for it, I promise you. Unbelievable how much your life will improve when you get away from people like that. Because there are people that would love to encourage you, support you, build you up, make you feel good. Go find them. They're there. All right, we're going to come back, do some DMs, and then we're going to get back to talking about signs your relationships might be falling apart so we can do a little fixing. If you're listening to Love Live with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. All right, y'all, we are back, and now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. Today's DMs say, hey, Dr. Chris, where actually it says, hi, Dr. Chris. <laughs> I've been with my partner now for about a year and a half, and I've truly never been with someone so caring and understanding, especially when it comes to my anxiety and depression. Mm. Let's all be inspired to try to be that kind of partner for someone else. Let's try to live in the world in a way in which people would refer to us as a member of someone's life as being caring and understanding. What a beautiful thing. Um, however, <laughs> always a however, 
Lately, my eating disorder has been kicking my butt and due to not having insurance right now, it impacts me daily and heightens my anxiety. Um, oh, sorry, heightens my anxiety, my depression, insecurities about myself and the relationship. And that's what's interesting, right? People might think, oh, well, how's an eating disorder roll out and have such a globalizing impact? Well, because remember, mental health is interconnected, interconnected systems. And how we feel about ourselves is going to have an impact on all these different areas of our life. And if we don't feel good about ourselves as a result of our disordered eating and our thinking, because there's a cognitive component to disordered eating, where we start to talk about ourselves, our body, how others might see us, that's going to then lead to that thinking can lead to some depression and anxiety. Um, you said this is a very sensitive topic for me and I'm nervous to share this with my partner. But I feel it's almost necessary to let him in on why I've been having such dark days. I think that's an act of love and care to say, listen, I love you enough to bring you in and let you know what's going on with me in deeper levels. But it also helps your partner not personalize and maybe think that they're doing something or that there's something wrong with them. So by sharing that, it helps them depersonalize. It helps them also maybe be able to step into being a support uh, a support for you, part of your support team. We want to let people that are in our lives in really primary close ways know what's going on on our deeper levels. You said, I guess my question is, should I move forward with telling him even though there's a lot of shame there for me and I'm afraid he'll look at me differently or should I wait until I can unpack this with a therapist? Not sure when that will be, but hoping sooner than later. Love the show, by the way. Um, if you're, you know, listen, my question is always before someone discloses anything to anyone is how mature or healthy is the person you're disclosing this to? That's question number one. Because we don't just disclose things if the person's not mature enough or healthy enough to have that disclosure made, which is why I tell some people, don't tell your partner what you're erotically turned on by. They have some work to do before they're healthy enough to maybe not shame you. Then the other question is always, what's going on in their life? Are they in a grounded place, an anchored grounded place to be told this? And then finally, does your relationship have a comfort around such intimate, deep disclosures? So again, how healthy is this person you want to share something with? But let's use, let's use an example of someone coming out as trans or gay. Is that person mature enough to be told that? Because sometimes they're not. And so sadly, we withhold coming out to them. Then if, if maybe they just lost a job or dealing with a death, maybe they're not in a place to be told some kind of trigger information, which not the best example because coming out as trans or gay shouldn't dysregulate to them, them to that extent, but who knows? And then also, do you have that kind of comfort? Meaning if this is a family member who you've never, ever, ever shared anything deep, personal or intimate, I'd say work up to such a disclosure. Otherwise, something that you've been sitting with and working on for a while, you're expecting them to be able to meet you where you're at or catch up quickly and maybe they can't. Again, based on them not having a comfort with that, level with you or they have other disruptive things going on in their life. So we do want to take all that into account. But based on what you've told me, your partner is very emotionally mature. You have already shared and disclosed some difficult things around your, you know, other stuff and they've been supportive. And it sounds like maybe they're at a place in their life where they can hear this. So I would go ahead and share. And more importantly, also let them know what it is you let them know what your intent is in sharing. Tell them what you want them to walk away understanding or hearing. Tell them what it is you need from them as a result of that disclosure. Because a lot of people don't understand maybe what to do with that information. And uh, first and foremost, you're just letting them know so that shame isn't there. You're letting them know so that they don't personalize it. You're letting them know so that they can be a part of your support network until therapy is uh, affordable or accessible. So I think it sounds great to go ahead and tell them. And it's a beautiful gift. You're bringing them in deeper. Intimacy and closeness and security and safety hopefully are built as a result of that on both ends. Because every time we do that and disclose to a partner, we're telling them that we can also have them disclose that to us. 
So it becomes systemic and um, that's a beautiful advancement. So go ahead and do that. And again, for those that are listening, when you're on the receiving end of someone doing that, hear everything I just said. They're letting you know, I want that kind of closeness with you. I want you to be able to do that with me. So take it very seriously and treat it very fragilely. You know, it's people's mental health on the line. All right, we're gonna come back. We'll be talking more. Got some questions, drop them in the DM, stick around. Listening to Love Live with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be back. Oh, Rachel, we are back and uh, talking about signs that relationships falling apart. Maybe it's a loved one, family member, friend, colleague, your husband, uh, romantic partner. And again, it's not to create panic. Although for some we should, and it, that's what that's what gets that motivation going to make some changes. Also, might be a topic for you and your partner or best friend to talk about. Like, hey, I was listening to this show and they said this thing. Like, what do you think about that? Don't be afraid to bring those difficult conversations up. We have to be able to have difficult conversations. So let me start by saying that if you can't have difficult conversations with important people in your life, you got something to be working on work on normalizing and making that comfortable. If that person in your life is just not safe to go to, get out. We are moving into the, the rest of our lives having healthy, high-functioning people around us. We don't just abandon people. We talk it out. We let them know what our expectations are. We circle that block a few times. We give them time to learn and to work on it. And we work, you know, but if that's not going to happen or they don't have the willingness, we get out. Uh, we are talking about the absence of positivity. All relationships have to have some positivity. We don't want to be a part of dynamics where we only feel beat down or put down or worse off. Remember, Dr. Chris says before, during, and after. It, it, oh my God, apply that to anything. Food, the gym, what you're following on social media, your job, your friend. How do you feel before? How do you feel when you're on your way to work? How do you feel when you see that person calling you? That matters. How do you feel during? How do you feel while you're with that person, while you're at your job, while you're on that social media, while you're at the gym? And then more importantly, after. How do you feel after you've been with that person, after you've been with at work, after you've been at the gym or whatever it is? Before, during, after. The answer should always be good. Worst case, neutral. But the answer is I feel bad when I'm on my way. I feel bad when I see them calling. I feel bad while I'm there. And I feel bad when I'm leaving from having been there. Then it is time to make a huge change. Your mental health is tied to that. No longer are we settling for things that are toxic or bad for us, whatever it may be. Ooh, and that's a big way to assess that because we deserve to feel good about all the systems and relationships that we are a part of. Let me inspire you by telling you I don't have any system or person in my life that doesn't make me feel good. Because if it makes me feel bad, I have to either change my relationship to it, I have to change the way that I'm doing it, or I have to go do double deuces and peace out because I deserve the best and you all do as well. And I want us to come from that place of confidence that you deserve the very best. Having said that, we're not going for perfect. Nothing's perfect. And that's why I love the a third, a third, a third. Again, the way it really enters is that a third of things are resolvable, a third of things are improvable, and a third of things will never change and we accept them exactly as they are. We have to apply that to everything. Pick a, pick a category, pick a domain, pick a topic. Nothing's perfect. I just got a new pair of shoes. Let me use a really safe topic. Um, I wish the fit was a little bit different, but I like the way they look. <laughs> I like the uh, materials that they're made because they're vegan. I love wearing non-leather animal-based products. And so I deal with that fit. I can't have everything exactly the way I want. Relationships. You're not going to find someone who meets every need of yours. That's why we have things like friends and all that. So you have to find someone that has a few things you enjoy, but a few things are missing or limited. Cool. You hang in there. Same thing with a job. There's no such thing as perfect, but the things that are positive have to outweigh the negative. And that's why I say before, during, and after. And, and we want to check in on our experience of things. 
Okay. So we're talking about absence of positivity, lack of commitment, lack of love. Um, <clears throat> here's another point. That's a sign your relationships might be tanking mistrust. Bam. The foundation of all relationships is trust. You can't have people in your life that you don't trust. But again, the work is always with this. Is it that I need to learn to trust because they're worthy of it? Or are they not worthy of being trusted? Thereby, they need to go. Don't have people in your life that you can't trust if that's truly what it is. But if it's that you need to learn to trust and they're worthy of that trust, you stick around and you grow up and you use it as a time to change. That's a question God ask yourself. People let us down though. So just because someone disappoints you, frustrates you, or lets you down doesn't mean you can't trust them. Understand that distinction. People will disappoint you, people will frustrate you, and people will let you down hundreds upon hundreds of times that they're in your life. That is part of being a human. We can't vote people off the, the island. We can't dump and break up with everyone anytime they frustrate us or disappoint us. So if let me say this one more time very clearly. If someone disappoints you or frustrates you, or lets you down, we stick around and we work through. We talk it out. Hey, that was really disappointing. Hey, that really let me down. We are open to understanding and to repairing. That is different from someone not being worthy of trust. Someone not being worthy of trust means they don't look out for my best interest. They actively will do things that harm me. Those are the relationships we exit. And that's why I like to use words like workability, accountability. If someone's like, I hear you, I want to do better, I want to be better, that is the sign of someone who's safe, healthy, and mature and should be kept around. Someone who says, it isn't me, I'm not doing it, that's just how it is, or they tell you you're wrong and they, and they gaslight you and all that, unsafe, time to go. Big distinctions between those two personality traits. And we need to understand that distinction because we don't want to be kicking everyone out of our lives just because sometimes they frustrate us or disappoint us or let us down. That's not reasonable. We're not, we're not, we're not going for perfect. So that one's a little bit of an individual assessor. I, I don't, you know, I can't really give you too much around that one other than that. Um, all right, we're going to go back. We're going to talk more about this, and then we'll be doing some DMs. So if you've got a DM for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveland IG page. Questions you want to answer, always anonymous, always confidential. Helping others as you're helping yourself because someone else might be wondering the same thing. Put those in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Past episodes over at wearechannelq.com. Otherwise, stick around. We'll be back. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. All right, so we're back and we're talking about signs that a relationship of any kind and all kinds are in trouble and need some work. And it's important. We need to understand what's a sign that it needs a little more care and attention. We like to think that relationships are just going to run on autopilot, but no, they're like plants. I always say that they're like plants. You don't just bring it home, drop it somewhere and you're good. You got to check in on, does it need more light, less light? How's it doing over there? Is there a draft? Does it need more heat? Is it too cool? What's the temperature like? Ah, watering. Does it need watering every week, every 10 days? Is it dry? Yes. It requires care and attention, just like relationships. Ooh, people think, ah, oh, we're, we're together, we're monogamous, we're married, we live together, we have kids, we're good. Oh my God, it's an ongoing process. So if there's an absence of positivity, red flag, work needs to be done. There's a lack of commitment, red flag, work needs to be done. Lack of love, red flag. We're talking now also about mistrust, <laughs> huge red flag. Actually, it's pretty much a deal breaker, but we are letting people disappoint and frustrate us if they take accountability and they learn and they grow. We have to have some of that flexibility. Um, and we have to also check in. Is it that I need to learn to trust because they're worthy of it? Bam, do the work. Or are they not worthy of trust? Get out. Distinction. You have to make it. And uh, it's a tough one sometimes, but that's an important one. Do that work. 
Um, now, these are again, some research around signs that a relationship is likely to end. Um, interesting factors, some of these will make sense. Some of these are a little, little more vague, so we're gonna kind of, I'm gonna hold your hand through them a little bit. Um, next one is low levels of closeness. Now, there's a difference between intimacy and closeness versus proximity. I'll say to some couples, oh, how intimate have you been over the week? They'll say, well, you know, we did this together, we did that together. And I'll say, yeah, but were you, what was the conversation like? What kind of touch was there? Because remember, your body near someone else's body is not intimacy. It's what you're doing while doing those things. So low closeness means we might be physically nearby, but there's not a lot of intimacy or sharing. And that is what really makes us feel known by someone is that they're engaging important parts of us. So it's not just we went for dinner together. It's not just we went bowling together. It's what did you do while you went to dinner? What did you do while you were bowling? What did you do on the card right there and the card right back? Was there touch and affection? A huge part of closeness is touch. Was there sharing? A huge part of closeness is sharing. Was there meaningful eye contact? A huge part of closeness is eye contact. So what are you doing in the car? Touching and talking, great. What are you doing while bowling? Touching and talking, awesome. That's what matters to me. And that's why it doesn't matter where you go. It's what you do while you're there. If couples are like, look, we spent Saturday at Home Depot. I'm like, that's adorable. That's romantic. Don't, don't get caught up in it's only romantic if we go to dinner. It's only romantic if we, it does, I don't care where you go. Spend the day Target, make Target romantic. Remember, these environments are just backdrops. Like uh, that's some of my favorite stuff with someone I'm in a relationship with is to go run errands together and we make it adorable. We make it romantic. There's a lot of deep sharing while we're doing that. You don't need to follow the normal script and get dressed up and go to dinner for it to be romantic. In fact, that's actually kind of lazy and easy. What's really adorable is when you can go to, you know, Home Depot or Walmart and make that a really beautiful intimacy building moment. And I'm here for it. My favorite things to do involve me in a pair of sweatpants and a cup of coffee. That's when I really, really, really feel like I can connect with someone. I don't like to get dressed up and go out to a bougie dinner. I actually find all that problematic and materialistic and I have no interest in that. I find that very distracting. It actually takes away from me. I just wanna be with the people I wanna be around and I prefer experiential things. So I'm the type of person that's like, let's go to the beach, let's go walk on the beach. Let's go run some errands. Let's go look at some art. Let's go hiking together. Let's go grab coffee because it's about our time together not the environment that that time takes place in. Don't get that backwards because that's what happens with some relationships. Oh, we're traveling the world. We're going to dinner. Who cares? What are you doing while traveling? What are you doing while at dinner? Are you dropping into deep conversation? Is there affection and flirtation? All right, great, but that can happen anywhere. And that's why none of this takes money. You can do it locally. That's what I love about psychology. That's what I love about romance. That's what I love about intimacy. It's available to all of us. It's not where we're doing it. It's how we're doing whatever it is we're doing. So remember that. You don't have to spend any money. You don't have to get dressed up. I'm super casual. I don't do that stuff generally. Not my, not my vibe. Um, okay, some other signs that the relationship might be tanking. This one's a good one. Low relationship investment. That means putting very little into your relationship, and usually it's the time and effort. Um, how often are you together? And when you're together, like I said, what kind of effort are you putting into that time? And if you're working crazy hours every day around the clock, well then guess what? Your relationship is failing and you're, you're failing the relationship and it's gonna fall apart. All the money in the world and the, the beach house and the new kitchen don't make up for it and that doesn't help mental health. I'd rather you forego all that and have more time together. How much time every day are you putting into your relationship? Some people, it's not even daily. They can only answer weekly or monthly. That's heartbreaking every day. I wanna know what you're doing every day that's an investment in your relationship, daily. 
And some people are like, wow, that's beyond what I can do. And I say to them, my heart hurts for you and your partner because um, they're missing out. It's a daily practice. It's not, so ask yourself that, what can I do every day that's some level of investment in my relationship? Otherwise, you can't expect it to feel safe, close, and secure. It just doesn't work that way. It's a big one. Make the time, prioritize it. And then that kind of swoops into the next one, um, relationship quality. You know, it's, it's again, what are you doing when you're together? What are you doing when you're doing the things you're doing? I don't care if you're going to dinner. I don't care if you're traveling the world together. What's the quality of your time while doing those things? What kind of investment are you putting in? Please just don't throw money at things. Oh, I'm buying my partner jewelry. We're taking, like, who cares? That is not the mental health piece. Because remember, it's about attachment theory, which means, is there this primary figure that I can count on that has my back, that makes me feel more confident, that makes me feel cared for? We need touch. We need to see ourselves reflected back positively in the eyes of those that are important to us. These are all deep interpersonal neurobiological mechanisms that aren't satiated or strengthened by money and jewelry and having a new bathroom because your partner's never around but throws money at you in the relationship. That will never suffice and I'm thankful for that. And so don't get upset with those part, you know, those people on Instagram that like, they're always traveling, they're always giving each other gifts. That might be a life support for a crappy falling apart relationship that my God, you'd never wanna be a part of. Don't fall for it. A lot of those people in fact are doing those extreme things because they're unable to be present otherwise. Don't fall for it. Don't be that person. Gonna talk more, stick around. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back. Oh, Rachel, we're back and we're just finishing up our discussion of signs that your relationships is, are in trouble and they need some help. And these are all really good ones. We were talking about an absence of positivity. Yikes. Lack of commitment. Lack of love. Ooh. Uh, lack of trust. Yikes. Uh, lack of closeness or too low closeness. Low relational investment. Here's another one. Low to no self-disclosure. Do you or your partner not open up and express and share your thoughts your feelings about yourself, about your life, about your world, and even about your partner relationship, but just that self-disclosure. Or are they buttoned up and quiet? How's your day good? How was work fine? Yikes, there is no intimacy or closeness in that relationship. Is it you or is it them? Is it that you present as uninterested? Do you cut them off? Do you not ask questions? Or is it that they don't open up to you? Why? It's like I say to, to parents, kids will come and be open with you if you don't punish them every time they tell you something you don't like. So if you're wondering why your kid doesn't tell you things, it's maybe because you're not safe for them to go to. Let's ask that about our partners. When your partner comes to you, do you, do you put down whatever you're doing and listen? If not, then that's why they don't come to you. Ask questions and track. I share that on many shows. Find out who, who and what, and then follow up on it again. If they say, hey, this thing happened at work, days later say, how did that wind up going? Stay present, stay connected, let them know you care. Again, this is another example you have to figure out, is it them or is it me? Whose work is it? But if there's low to no self-disclosure, you do not have a relationship. I don't care if you have a ring on your finger. I don't care if you have kids together or a home. You don't have a relationship. It's a psychological thing. And if there's no commitment, if there's no care, if there's no sharing, you don't have a relationship. All you do is have a ring on your finger. No material or structure or label will make up for the lack of the psychological things that we need in a relationship. Don't fall for it. And you'll see tons of people that go, oh, my husband's always away, but look at the car I get to drive. Sorry to hear about it. Woof, selling yourself out. So let's make those disclosures. Let's ask questions. Let's, let's communicate to those around us that they matter to us and that we listen, we follow up, we ask questions. What's another one? Um, there's a whole lot in front of me. It's actually kind of scary. We talked about the quality of the relationship. 
High conflict. Yeah. Yeah, that's a tough one. High conflict. Um, some people, their nervous systems just aren't compatible. Some people, because their traumas, they'll just never connect well. Sometimes they're both too avoidant. Uh, we can't always be at the person we want to be with. But if there's high conflict, if everything's always getting heated and intense, either work on it, get into some therapy, or you got to go because you're just too toxic for each other. That is a very unsafe environment to be around. I'd rather you divorce and have the kids be in two separate homes than be around that. Because kids aren't better off with two parents that are miserable or fighting. They're not. They internalize that, and you're not going to be present to them if you're depressed, miserable, and beaten down. You are not going to be a good parent to them. You're better off being on your own and being happier and away from that, and same for them. Check in on that. High conflict is not good. Do the work. Um, low positive emotion during everyday conversations. We kind of talked about that, but every day... You should want to celebrate and connect with your partner. And if not, you got to ask why infidelity. That's an obvious one. Um, you know, if you're in a committed monogamous relationship, you got to figure out what you need to do to stop acting outside of it. What is that a sign of figure that out and heal it? Otherwise leave. But if you, if you want to stay, figure out what that's about, what that's communicating, what's driving that and resolve, repair, heal, please. Um, another one I thought was interesting that the research really looked at was what they call low network support. And that means other than your partner, having few close friends or other relationships, we need those. They give us reality testing. They give us a break away. They give us an outlet. They remind us that we have an identity outside of our marriage or that friendship. We need a wealth of people around us. Sadly, some people get into primary partnerships and they think that person should meet all my needs and they can't, and they don't need to. And then we decrease our time with others and that can get, that can get in the way of things. Um, then I think I have one more I'll, I'll throw at y'all and then we'll <clears throat> come back and do some DMS. Uh, I thought this one was kind of funny. Uh, one of the signs that a relationship might be in trouble and probably ending is if you have a disagreeable personality, what a heavy label, Whew, but it's a hard thing, but you got to ask, am I disagreeable? Am I pleasant to be around? Is my presence in someone's life making it better or harder? And if it's making it harder and I'm not pleasant to be around, work on it. If people are constantly getting into fights with you, if you're constantly losing friends, you got some work to do. Um, being hard to get along with is not good. That's why I was saying earlier, people have to be able to let us down to disappoint us. And we can't always pick a fight over to kick them out. We have to let people have a third of things that we just don't think are ideal, but we learn how to keep our mouth shut and accept it. We can't make an issue or a problem of everything. Just like the high conflict comment, not everything can lead to a fight. And that's part of how we make ourselves and our relationships and our partners miserable. You know, we want to have adaptability, flexibility. We want to be likable. We want to be agreeable. Like I said, again, people's lives should be made better because we're brought into them. You know, people are us and us being in relationship to others should help them be safe and soft, not constantly on edge and going into or living in survival mode. We want to bring out people's softness, not their survival. It's important stuff because again, our mental health is really based on the people we spend time around and how we impact each other, how we make each other feel. So take that seriously. Um, when we come back though, we're going to do some DMs. So if you got a question for us, drop it in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Always anonymous, always confidential. Helping others as you're helping yourself. Got a topic you want us to hit, circle back, drop deeper into. Also put that in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Past episodes of the show over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for Loveline and click on it. And you can, it's podcasted. You can take me with you everywhere. Otherwise, all you got to do is uh, stick around and not go anywhere because we got a whole lot more to come. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be back. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. 
That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. If your day sounds like... We need the report ASAP. You deserve Medela. If you've persevered through... You deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp but refreshing taste. Or if you overcame. Two more reps, two more. You deserve this ice cold reward. Medela, the markable fighter. Drink responsibly, beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. All right, y'all, we are back, and now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. All right, let's see. Um, okay, hi, Dr. Chris. I just started a new job, and it requires me to leave for about four months for training. It's a long time, no? Sounds like a long time. I was dating this person for about seven months when I got the job notification. Congrats. You know, it's a big deal. I hope they celebrate it with you. She is special to me. However, I'd really just like to spend the next four months focusing on this opportunity. My friends told me I should just keep dating her and see what happens, but I don't think that's fair to not be present for four months and expect a relationship while I'm, oh, and expect a relationship when I get back. Is there such a thing as a pause? Of course. Um, you know, at times when we're struggling with, you know, our relationship to eating or drugs and alcohol or other events and stressors, sometimes we don't have the energy to be a secure anchored partner for someone else. Because again, times in our lives when we're grieving, struggling with drugs and alcohol, we are not able to be present to other people. And sometimes we have to say, listen, let's put this on pause. I care about you. I don't want to negatively impact you. And I really need to focus all my time, energy, and attention on myself. Um, so I think it's healthy and mature to call that out. I don't know why you think being gone for four months at a training means you can't be present to them. Like what hours will you be keeping during that training? I assume the training is some kind of standard eight hour day. And so it'd be like just working. Are you not available on your lunch break at the training? Are you not available in the morning or at night to do a FaceTime or a phone call? What are you thinking it will require from you that won't make you able to be present in their life? Because while away, I imagine they could be a little added joy, a stress reliever, a support. Um, maybe talk it out with them first saying, hey, listen, I care about you and I'm going to be gone for a while and I don't want to negatively impact your life while I'm gone and I'm going to need a lot of time, energy and attention on my time there. But what, what would your needs be? What can we do? I, I, I just I guess I'm confused as to why you think you won't be able to offer them anything at that time. But I would bring it up and talk it out with them. Let them be a part of that decision-making. Um, all right, we have time for another one quickly. Hey, Dr. Chris, I'm noticing that dating apps are pretty much empty these days. I don't know what that means. Empty, you mean there's not a lot of matches? Maybe you need to expand the um, age range or the location range because you get to choose how many miles away you're interested in and what the age range is. You said, I haven't found anyone in months. 
And everyone I swipe on seems to be a bot or a fake. I don't have too much time to go out to places and meet new people. What other options do I have? Um, other options other than dating apps is speed dating where organizations set them up and now a lot of them exist online where they bring together anywhere from 10, 12, 15 people and, and five, three to five minutes with each person. Other than that, that's all we got. Um, I'm just glad we have dating apps. There's a time when you had to go to a bar or a supermarket and meet someone. Now you can use dating apps. Um, but I would check in on your search parameters. Uh, I, I can't imagine someone living in a location where they're just not, but there's literally no human beings also on there unless you're in a very rural area. But even then you get to choose how far away you're willing to look. So that's a little bit of a confusing thing to me. I, I, I yeah, I, I'm not really sure. But again, to answer your question directly, we have dating apps and then we can hit on people when we're out in the world. You don't need to go to bars. So remember while getting coffee or at the supermarket or at the gym or shopping, you can be smiling, flirting and hitting on people. But if you don't want to do that, it's the dating apps or like speed dating. That's all we got. Matchmaker. You can also hire a matchmaker. <laughs> but again, we know that there's no algorithm for someone to find you a perfect match. So you're at the mercy of whoever they think you're going to match well with. Um, yeah, that's all we got. But I would expand the search range. Um, if there's not enough people in whatever the area. Some people will say, I want to only meet people within five miles. All right, well, expand it to 10, 15, 20, or 25 miles. More people pile in. Whatever your age range is, expand it you know, um, things like that, but that's all we got. And I'm thankful we got it. Cause that's a lot better, but I can't, I mean, even in theory, I can't even imagine what other options we'd possibly have. Like, I don't even know what that question is indicating. Like it's it, uh, before we used to meet people at work and through friends. Now we meet them on apps. So yeah, maybe try a different apps. Some of them have higher numbers than others. There are some that have small, small, small quantities and others that are far more popular. So do a little Googling, but no, that's all we got. We're limited. All right, y'all, that is our show. If you got some questions for us, put in the DMs on our Loveline.g page. Questions, topics, things you want us to answer, circle back, drop deeper into, always anonymous, always confidential, helping others as you're helping yourself. That, again, is the DMs on our Loveline.g page. Past episodes of the show is always over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down there for Loveline and click on it. You can binge, post, re-listen, and share because it's podcasted because we got a lot to unlearn and relearn. Otherwise, y'all, thanks for hanging out with me. Be kind to yourselves. Be kind to those around you. Have a good rest of your night. Good night, everybody. See you soon. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. 
Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Hey. 